0: glad you've joined us today for meeting with god meeting with god is the radio teaching ministry of vertical church here in columbus we're at the end of a series called hope while waiting on the life of daniel and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called a hope worth waiting for this is a great message i trust that will encourage your heart the fruit and impact of your life of my life The glory of God that will be revealed or not revealed through our lives will pretty much come down to our prayer lives. Let me say that again. The fruit and impact, especially the impact of your life when it's all said and done, will pretty much come down to your prayer life. Here's what I want you to think about. Notice that in the text it says that first he turned toward Jerusalem. That was his purpose. It was the yearning of Daniel's heart was to see Jerusalem restored. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. Every God-fearing Jew wants to be in Jerusalem, wants to be uh, with the people of God and the temple of God. Notice that he got down on his knees. He humbled himself. Notice that he gave thanks. He had a grateful heart even in a difficult place. Here's the thing I want you to make a note of. How many times a day did he pray? Three. And at the end it says, like like he'd always done. I think often we look down on other religions for their dedication to prayers that don't go through the ceiling. What a faithful witness of a man who disciplined himself to be in prayer three times a day three times a day three times a day so consistent that later in the text the people that are accusing him apparently were watching him for days at a time because they even noticed that he prayed three times a day if you want to see your life display and reveal the glory of God make a discipline in prayer that doesn't have to be three times a day there's nothing spiritual about three times a day but you should have a sense of there's certain times that I always pray. I thank the Lord at dinner time. Another thing that I've been trying to do with our boys is praying increasingly before we go to bed and taking a little time to think about what we pray about. And I've been more, more and more convicted about this. Why not do it like Daniel? Clearly his life had an enormous impact in a very difficult place. Think about how difficult your life or how good it is. It doesn't matter. If you prayed three times a day, he doesn't say he prayed for two hours. He says he probably prayed for five minutes. I don't know. But if we were to set up a discipline in prayer, these are the times I pray as a family. These are the times I pray alone. This is the time I pray with my spouse. What an impact God could have through our lives. Maybe, maybe you just want to set up a discipline. I'm, I'm not super smart but I do have a calendar that goes to my phone. And what if you just set off an alarm that goes off at 10.35 in the morning or 8.25 on your way to work or, you know, at 6.25 when you're driving home or, you know, sometime during dinner, that alarm always goes off just as a reminder. Hey guys, we're just gonna, let's just gather up for prayer for five minutes. Those disciplines are what God uses to reveal his glory then also notice in this verse, this just grabbed a hold of me. Verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew the document signed, he was not, (laughs) they didn't come get him. They didn't come grab him and say, hey, Daniel, what are you doing? Haven't you read the news? No, he knew it. And what did he do? Did he, he's like, oh boy, I have to rethink how I do my prayer life. Now I'm gonna have to switch my, my prayer disciplines. We're gonna have to go in the closet now, we're gonna have to go do something different. Is that what he did? I love the courage of Daniel. It says, when he knew that it was signed, he got down on his knees at the very end, just as he had done previously. He was unflinching in his courage. That's the third aspect. Courage, through my courage. God is glorified through my courage. Can can we say, God, help us to say, that no matter what I am confronted with, I would do the same thing, no matter who's watching or not watching, But I would do it with courage. A lot of times we think of courage in many different ways. I was, when we were in New Mexico, we were in, uh, we went to a lot of different places. We had a few days. One time we went to um, Jensine's grandparents' house and her grandfather passed away about five years ago. And we were walking through the house and it was interesting to see some memories. Uh, Jensine and I went out there when we were uh, just engaged and uh, just to see some of the same places. But up on the wall... Um, was this. Let me just show you a picture of what I saw up on the wall. Think about courage. This is the flag uh, that was given to uh, her grandma when her grandfather died. You can see Ernest Sanchez right there. He was involved in World War II. You can see some of the different medals. But this one on the far right right here, and I'll show you a bigger picture of it, that was the medal he earned by being involved in the D-Day operation, and he was right in the thick of the worst part of it. When I think about his courage... I have a lot of respect for him, a lot. And you think about the danger and the impact. Some of you have been in places where you know what that means, where the bullets are flying as thick as you can. I mean, they're all over the place. And to see how he pushed through and his dedication to serving his country and the men around him. But then I think about our day. Now, there's no Hitler today. Now, there's no a thought that we might lose our entire freedom in a short period of time, be conquered by some other kingdom. But I believe the greatest danger in our country and in our churches and our family is not an external danger, it's an internal danger. It's a spiritual danger. And our nation is in the place it is because of a spiritual erosion within the church. Strong church, strong nation. Weak church, weak nation. And I believe what God is calling us through this passage is to be men and women like Daniel, a Daniel 6.10 courage, Where we are the type of people that are unflinching in our commitment to Jesus Christ. That no matter what is done, what is said, I am committed to Jesus Christ and to pursuing his kingdom no matter what the cost. Would you give up your job for the kingdom? Would you move? Would you give up your life? I think I said it a couple weeks ago, the thing that makes the devil go into a cold sweat are the people who are absolutely committed to the gospel no matter what. It's people like that that he can't stop. He can't tempt. He can't distract. God help us to be those people. The question I would ask you today is Will you be that person? <laughs> will you? Will you be that person that a God uses in your family, with your kids, with your loved ones, to have difficult conversations? to be willing to say the thing that's hard, to do the thing that's hard? Will you be that person? Will you set aside comfort? Will you set aside dreams? Will you set aside everything that you want for the sake of advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ? That's a hard question to answer because by the time, if you're really answering that question, you gotta do some hard thinking, gotta do some gut check. Would I really give up everything to advance the kingdom? And then we think about Jesus Christ who gave up heaven to come down here to lay his life down so that we could have salvation. What an example. Back to Daniel, verse 11. And these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king, concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, a little smear there, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed. But makes his petition three times a day. Somebody was counting. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought. And cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Pause. Look up here for a minute. Can you see the tension? Can you feel the tension? Daniel falling down into a den. Almost certainly this is probably a Mede city. Most likely he's there because uh, that was a form of punishment used by the Persians. Now this is kind of a cool thing. Little side note. Um, In terms of the authenticity of Daniel, just the fact that they had a den of lions is pretty good evidence uh, for the the authenticity of Daniel, which most of us take for granted. But know this. I'll just read this to you. One guy wrote this. The author was quite accurate in recording the change of punishment by fire under the Babylonians, that would be Daniel chapter 3, to the punishment by being thrown to the lions under the Persian regime, since fire was sacred to the Zoroastrians of Persia. So, the Persians were not into uh, fiery furnaces because they felt that fire was sacred. So, just this alone tells us of a bit of a change of scenery. I want you to see something. I go back to verse 17. Here's the tension. Here's the lions. They're you know, snarling. They're waking up, seeing dinner looks like it's been brought in. They're crouching. They're starting to growl. Feel the tension of that. And here's Darius. And here's what happens next says, the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his a signet, and with the signet of his lords, who were only too happy, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions, and he came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish, and the king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel was like super cool. He had been like with an angel all night. He's like, dude, relax. Then Daniel said to the king in a real relaxed voice, "O oh, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. If they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, and I have done no harm. But you're welcome to get me out of here. (laughs) Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. God wants to reveal his glory through my holiness through my commitment to prayer, through my courage, and here's the last point, my unrelenting trust in Him. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. If you're here and you're like, I'm having a hard time trusting God. God's taking me through some deep waters or you know, I'm about ready to, 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 to go out and do something new for the Lord. I'm not sure can I, if I can even trust God. Let this passage be an encouragement to you. Start with little prayers. Start with little obediences. Begin to pray, Lord, help me to take one step forward today and trust you. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The life of revealing the glory of God is a life of growing trust in God. Now, quickly I want to uh, draw your attention, verse 24. It says, and the king commanded, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast in the den of lions. Now, this is uh, very ironic. The word maliciously accused is literally who had eaten his pieces. So when it says, when they had maliciously accused him, that word means it was an idiom. It says, who had eaten his pieces? Be careful whose pieces you're eating. They might come back to eat you later. It's interesting how that would play out. God reveals his glory through impossible people and circumstances. I think some of us have what we would call impossible people. And there are impossible people. There are some people that are not going to come to know Jesus Christ. There are some people that are going to be a thorn in your flesh until the day you go into eternity. And no matter how much you pray for them, no matter how much you testify to them there are people in our lives who will not respond to the grace of God and are impossible people there's also impossible circumstances uh, god heals some people some people he doesn't and sometimes we look at those impossible people and impossible circumstances and we fear them and did i would tell you this impossible is simply a launching pad for the glory of god do not fear people do not fear circumstances then notice that in verse 20, it says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? That was Darius's question. That's the question on every human heart. Is God able? Is he God? Notice what he now says, verse 25, this is after These malicious people and their whole families were thrown in the den of lions. Uh, Notice at the end of verse 24 it says, Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones. These were not old lions, as some have said. These were not lions with uh, teeth that were worn down. Uh, These lions were working just fine. They had a good work ethic. Then King Darius wrote to all of the people's nations' languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Darius had seen the greatness of God. Here's what he says. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. God reveals his glory through deliverance, grace, and faithful redemption. Listen, God can reveal his glory through impossible people. He can also do it through deliverance, grace, and faithful redemption. And God was just setting the table. Look at verse 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. And you could probably knock out the word and there and put even. So it would read, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, even the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's the document that I had sent out. Uh, You can also see in 1 Chronicles 5.29, the same thing. They would read one title for the king and then put even this, or even this person. You can look that up, 1 Chronicles 5.26. Now Darius knew who the living God was. Now the title of the series we've been talking about is I Know the Plans I Have for You, Hope While Waiting. Here is Daniel. He was taken into captivity as a teenager. He served pagan kings had a great witness, he endured trials and indignities as an exile, he remained faithful while waiting, he prayed while waiting, he prayed some more. What was Daniel's greatest desire? What was the thing that he was waiting for? What did Daniel want more than anything else? What was he praying for in Daniel chapter 9? He was praying for the return of his people. He was praying for the exile to end. He was praying that God would do the impossible and do what almost had never happened before where a people would return to their land that had been completely obliterated. Daniel's faithfulness, prayers, diligent service, even his time in the lion's den were all preparation for God's next major move in redemptive history. I want you to turn very quickly to Ezra chapter one. Ezra chapter one, verse one. All this happens in the summer of 538 BC. I used to think that Daniel in the lion's den was the big thing that God did through Daniel's life. It was really just a sideshow. Ezra chapter one, verse one says this in the first year of Cyrus the king of Persia, now, what's the other name for Cyrus? The word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, he just did one, and put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And whoever is among all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and here's a key word for our next series, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Where do you think Cyrus found out about Jeremiah? Where do you think Cyrus got the idea that the people needed to go back to Jerusalem? Where do you think he got the stirred up in his spirit and got the idea that he was the one that was supposed to not only send the people back, but help pay for the rebuilding of Jerusalem? I believe very clearly it was Daniel. And Daniel, after this, Daniel and the lion's den, this time where God's power was clearly shown, it opened the door to show Cyrus, this is a real God. You don't mess with him. He's real, and he wants his temple rebuilt. And Daniel just laid out and said, you know, I could just see them having, I don't know, iced tea one afternoon. (laughs) And Daniel would say, you know what? You saw a lot happen. I want to tell you about this, God. And I want to tell you what this God wants you to do. And I can see him just opening up the scroll of Jeremiah and saying, this is what God wanted done. And suddenly Cyrus, having seen what God had done in this den of lions, and here's the crazy thing. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, Daniel, Daniel 9? What was Daniel praying for? Daniel was praying for his people to go back in the land. He had no idea what was going to happen. He had no way of figuring out how he was going to be able to have that conversation or be able to influence Cyrus. I'm for sure he had no idea he was going to have to go through the den of lions to get there. But God strategically used Daniel's prayer, the trial Daniel had to go through, his courage, his prayer, his holiness, all of that to put a witness right in front of Cyrus or Darius that would influence him to make the decision to send the people back. Can you imagine the, what's been going on in Daniel's heart? As he sees Cyrus writing out that proclamation, speaking out that proclamation, watching it written down, I'm thinking this, this, this was what God had me here for. This is why I got dragged away as a teenager and I had to be pulled away from my family to serve these pagan kings. And here's all the things I've had to endure being an outsider my entire life and being away from the promised land that God had given to our people. This is what God wanted. God had me here to face all these different things, to be faithful to him so that now I could be a witness in front of the one man who can turn it all in the direction that God wanted it to go. Can you imagine Daniel? Probably some of his friends were the old men that began to go back to Jerusalem, and probably Daniel never made it back. He was serving the king. He had a pretty high position. But can you imagine as he began to watch the men packing up and, and all the articles of the temple being pulled out of this pagan temple and being brought together and put on camels and begin to be shipped back to go back to Jerusalem where God had called them to be in the service of the temple of the living God. Can you imagine what was going on in Daniel's life? Can you imagine what was going through his mind? Sometimes the pain and the trials and the prayers unanswered and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting, God is doing things through the waiting that will bring him glory in a way that we could never imagine. This is one of the greatest testimonies to the people of Israel, that God could take them into exile, but he had not forgotten them. He could bring them back. And that's the gospel right there. God will discipline, but God can redeem. And Daniel was right in the middle of it. I would also tell you, if you want to just an intro, turn a couple pages uh, to the right, Ezra chapter 6. The um, story of Ezra is a story of the people coming back and getting started, then hitting some problems and running into some trouble, and eventually they had to stop the building until a search was made. And the Jews said, no, 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 we have a right to build. And the people were saying, no, you don't. You don't have a right to build. So they did a search. Chapter 6, verse 1. It says, then Darius the king, this is about 20 years later, then Darius the king made a decree, and a search was made in Babylonia. You'd think that he was in Babylon, right? In the house of the archives where the documents were stored. There it is. And in Ekbatana, the capital that is in the providence of Media, the summer residence, a scroll was found in which was written a record. In The first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king issued a decree, and then it just listed off. Daniel's legacy not only impacted the people getting back, it also impacted the ability of the temple to be restored. And I think sometimes when I read this, it just so, so touched my heart to think, here's Daniel who's going through this whole lifetime of seeing all these trials and all these things, and for him to now be in heaven looking down, seeing that his life was the thing that got the people turned back in the right direction and enabled the temple to be rebuilt. I'm telling you, we talked about Jeremiah, hope in crisis, Daniel, hope in waiting. Now as we turn our face to hope and rebuilding, it didn't just show up in Jerusalem and there was the temple. There was a whole rebuilding process. But when we look on the, um, the Mount Rushmore of redemption, there's Jeremiah, then there's Daniel. May God give us the grace to say, God, however you want to use my life, however you want me to advance your kingdom, use me. That's the story of Daniel's life. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.